talk about the same thing. We are continuing our series today entitled The Master's Class. Um, in this, we're basically just going through the parables of Jesus and allowing Jesus to speak to us through the parables that he himself stated um, and gleaning from those parables the things that Jesus taught about the things that he wanted us to know about him, about his kingdom, about you know his love, his grace, um, how to love one another, how to treat one another. Um, and as we've said before, so I shall say again, you know, that the parables cannot mean for us what they did not mean for them. And so we are going throughout our series in ensuring that we make that we look at the parables and look at exactly what Jesus was saying and then apply them to our lives today rather than taking our own thoughts and trying to apply Jesus words to what we're thinking. We're simply looking at what Jesus said and applying what he said to our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 through 46. Um, and uh, as a, for a subject today, uh, we're going to be talking about um, I give my all to have. I give my all to have. Um, and don't, and yes, I did that on purpose. So if there's an earworm that's stuck in your ear right now via Mariah Carey, I did that on purpose. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 through 46 say this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Um, We're all in search of something, something that's going to give us significance, something that's going to make us feel like we've arrived, all in search of something that's going to make our hearts just, you know, burst with joy and with gladness. And we're all in search of something that's going to bring us, you know, some type of peace, some type of thrilling fulfillment. As an aside, did you hear the horn? Okay. Just, I didn't see you because I was really here. Um, all in search of something that's going to give us a, a, a thrill, going to give us exhilaration. Uh, we all think that there's something in this world that can make us happy, bring us joy, bring us peace, bring us glory, bring us satisfaction, bring us a sense of accomplishment, a sense of achievement. Uh, we're all in search of something that's going to give us importance, make us feel really good on the inside. And for all of us, whether saved or unsaved, Christian, atheist, you know, believing in some something other than God, you know, Muslim, you know, Jewish, Buddhist, we're all in search of something that's going to give us significance, something that's going to give us importance, something that's going to make us feel like this is the thing that's going to bring me joy, the thing that's going to bring me happiness, the thing that's going to bring me peace. Um, even if we're following another religion. You know, most of those religions are, are, are operating under the guise of feeling and believing that if I have this thing, or if I do this thing, or if I achieve this certain level, then I will arrive. I will have made it. I will have become the person that I'm meant to be. A lot of us in the new age 
of thinking we want to reach a certain level of enlightenment, you know, and so we're trying to ascribe and, and climb this ladder in order to get to the top of, you know, this, this sense of understanding of the world and understanding of life and understanding of our inner person. Um, some of us will turn to, you know, uh, different things. Um, um, I can't think of the name of it right now. It's probably good that I don't remember what it's called. Um, but, you know, people will turn to these new age things where, you know, they believe that their, their sensuality is the key to unlocking the, the kingdom. That if I, you know, enjoy, you know, a, a good orgasm, that it will allow me to then unlock the mysteries of the kingdom and open up my sixth eye and be able to manifest um, my, uh, my destiny. Manifest the things that I want in this world. Manifest the things that I, I that I that it uh, that it'll you know send me into the next realm, and I'll be able to pull out of that realm the things that I'm looking for in this life. And so, for a lot of us, we have this tendency. We we uh, for all of us, we have a desire to find the thing that will give us importance, that will give us significance, that will make us feel like we have arrived, that will feel make us feel like we have you know, achieve peace, that we have achieved satisfaction, that we've achieved glory, that we have achieved a sense of belonging, that we have, that we're validated, that we have control and, and a control of our destinies and our lives. Um, Matt Chandler in his book, Recover and Redemption, says it like this, that we are all in search of four things. Uh, we're all in search of something and we will use four particular things in an attempt to try to get the thing that we think that we're looking for. We'll either turn to ourselves, we'll turn to the world, we'll turn to others, or we'll turn to religion. If we turn to self, we think that some better version of ourselves will get us to where we want to be. That if I become this future version of myself, then I will finally be everything that I'm meant to be. That future self is going to redeem me, save me, validate me, give me significance and purpose. Let me ask us all this question. Five years ago, is the person that you are today fulfilling you the way that you thought you, that you thought it would? Or have you created a new five-year plan that's supposed to be the redemption of you? The person that you thought you would be five years ago is that person satisfying and fulfilling you the way that you thought it would? And I'm talking about myself too, you know, because sometimes we have these, these vision boards and we have these manifesting destinies and all these other things that we think that's the person that's going to be, that's going to help me be the person that I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so we're running, trying to make this vision come true, taking the words, um, I believe it's Amos, I might be wrong. Write the vision, make it plain. Mm. We write our vision, put it up on a board, and now we're chasing it down as if that's what's going to save and what's going to redeem and what's going to make me and fulfill me and satisfy me. Now, I'm saying, as I'm saying that, I'm not saying not to make your boards. Go make your boards. But what we're saying here is that sometimes we'll make that board the thing that if I achieve it, I am going to be deeply satisfied, ultimately satisfied, and we tag God's name on it. If ourselves doesn't work, which often, always doesn't work, 
we then turn to others. Others now are what's going to satisfy me. We have this idea that people are going to complete me. Mm. You're, you, you are the reason for my existence. I'd die if you weren't there. And I'd be lost without you. You complete me. You make me whole. When God is telling us, no, people don't make you whole because people are broken. How can a broken person make another person whole? And so what we tend to do as people, though, is we will put unrealistic expectations on them and turn them into our gods, turn them into our saviors, and act as if if they don't love me, validate me, support me the way that I need to be loved, validated, or supported, then I'm going to fall apart. We'll put undue, un unrealistic expectations on our spouses, on our boyfriends, on our girlfriends, on our children, on our bosses, on our friends, on some even church members at times, and expect them to be perfect so that we can be at peace. And when broken people do broken things, we get so broken up inside that we want to isolate from everyone and everything in the world because we're so afraid that someone's going to hurt us again. We're so afraid that someone's going to make a, going to make us upset again. And so we'll run for the hills away from people all the while saying to ourselves, I need people in my life. Or I need that they define my significance. They define my worth. I have so many clients that I've talked to who have told me, you know, I, I love to help others because helping others makes me happy. And then, but they don't help me back. And I said, because you created a give and take relationship. You, you're helping them so much in hopes that they'll love you back. But when they just say thank you and don't do anything else, you're so miserable on the inside because you're expecting them to do something that they are not designed by God to do for you. They can't fulfill you. They can't satisfy you. They can't give you the peace that your soul is looking for. When, when others doesn't work, we then turn to the world. We return, we, we turn to materiality. So we buy the houses, we buy the cars, we buy the big screen TVs, we buy our trinkets, we buy our toys, we buy our video games, we buy our electronics, we buy our laptops, we buy, you know, all these different things. We buy vacations, we, you know, buy good times on Friday nights, we, you know, turn to, you know, our sensuality, we turn to our flesh, all in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul. To satisfy a longing within us. Mm -hmm. If I just have one more hit, if I just have one more night, if I just have one more vacation, if I have just one more opportunity, just one more this or one more that, if I just play this next game, you know, I, 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 I told some of y'all who've been watching me on um, the True Gospel Morning Show plug, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, mm -hmm. if that y'all been watching me, I told y'all a lot about the video game Horizon Zero Dawn that I played. I beat that game twice. Now that I'm playing it after I've done everything, the game just isn't as satisfying and fulfilling as it used to be because literally as I'm beating these bosses, I'm, I'm the strongest I'm ever going to be on this game. Like there's nothing else to do. And so as I'm playing the game, it's lost its luster for me. So now if, I'm, if, if video games are my salvation, I'm now looking for the next game to give me that next high to give me that next hit, to give me that next that next sense of significance, that next sense of importance. I saved the world 
in this game. Now I got to go save the world in the next game so that I can feel important. I can feel significant. I can feel like I matter. The games can't satisfy me. The houses can't satisfy us. The, the, the cars can't satisfy us. We buy cars today, but then 10 years from now, we're selling them, trying to get some money off of them to put a down payment on the next one. You know, we, we want so badly to be like our like the people that are on the Instagram and the Facebooks and the, and the TikToks of the world, and we want to get all the things that they have and go on the vacations that they're going on, thinking by doing those things, we've achieved significance and importance, but not realizing that the very people that we're idolizing, that's a job for them. Their job is to entice us into buying, into getting, into obtaining so that they can get paid. They're not just living lavish lives to be living lavish lives. They've created a lifestyle for themselves to get us to be consumers of their lifestyle and pay them to make ourselves feel insignificant. And so God is telling us when those things don't work, we can then find ourselves going to religion. And this one's tricky because when we say religion, people all make some, so you're telling me not to follow God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we will try to take on a list of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, do this, don't do this, and we'll warp even Christian principles in an attempt to open God's hand for what we really want. And so I follow the Ten Commandments so God can bless me. I follow the Beatitudes so that God can give me stuff. I do what I do what all I'm supposed to do in church so that God will give me things. I turn to the sage and I turn to the crystals in an attempt to try to get God's hand to open up so I can be enlightened. I turn to yoga so that I can become centered. And in becoming centered, I can then unlock the mysteries of the universe. I turn to, you know, Scientology or I turn to, you know, um, I turn to my science books. Can, oh my gosh, I see what you did there, God. Because can I, can I call a spade a spade? Anything can become a religion. Hello. Yeah. Even, oh, even atheism is a religion. It may be anti-religion, but it's a religion nonetheless. Because in order to not follow God, you got to follow something else. And anything can become a god. Even nothingness. Even nihilism can become a god. And so we as the believers in, as a believers in God, we have to be careful that we don't fall for the hype. That we don't fall to victim or become trapped in this idea of thinking, she is, oh yes, yeah, just let us stay out there. She'll be all right. You can go. We'll get her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you get done being hype, we'll come over there and get you, girl. You go and do your hype thing right over there. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, but, but even our religion, our religion can become an idol in so much that we forget about God. And we try to follow the rules to try to get him to open up his hand. God is always showing us, always showing us what it is we're truly seeking after. What is it that's really in our hearts? What is it that we really want? What is it that we're truly following him for? When the things of this world fail us, and they will, when our future self fails us, and it will, when other people fail us, and they will, 
with our own list of do's and don'ts that we've created in our minds to be the path to joy, the path to peace, the path to this, fail us. And they will. God says, when I place my heart inside of you and you feel its beat, you will begin to realize that the only thing that can bring you true satisfaction, joy, and peace is me. Mm -hmm. And I have paved the way for you to have peace in your soul through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So much so that once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, nothing else will satisfy. Which will then lead to a question. What are you willing to give up so that you can have Christ as the uppermost of your affections, the uppermost of your attention, and the uppermost of your allegiance? For we find in our scripture, verse 44, Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. This man's been searching, searching his whole life for a treasure. And lo and behold, one day he's walking in this field. I don't know if he's got his little beep, 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 thing, you know, going, you know, this is back in this time. I don't think they had those little scanners or things or whatever. So one day he's just walking along and he trips over and falls like, oh, oh, and he looks in the ground and maybe he sees a little, you know, thing that may look like a little treasure chest box top. I don't know. But he starts digging and digging and digging. Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> And he finds this treasure chest. He opens it up and it's got, I'm talking about Aladdin level treasures in this box. Now, this man is so flipping happy that this that he's found this treasure that not only does he want the treasure, he wants the field that the treasure's on. So he closes the box, covers it back up, buries it. He don't want nobody else find this thing. Goes to the goes and takes assessment of everything that he has, everything that he owns. Goes to the banker. Give me money. You know, um, no, wait, I'm no, no. I'm putting up, I'm putting all this up. I'm saying, not because I said it wrong. He takes assessment of everything that he has, and he goes to the the people, what's the city planners or whoever? I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. The zoning people. I don't know. He goes to them and says, "I will give you everything I own if I can have that plot of land over there." Everything, everything. You sure? One hundred percent. Cool. Takes everything that he has, and he now owns the field that the treasure sits on. He values this treasure that he found so deeply that he was willing to give up everything he has. So he can have the, not just the treasure, but the field that the treasure rests on. Because at any given time, the owner of the field could have taken the treasure. So rather than get into a rift with the owner, let me own it. 
let me have it. I will take it. He then says in verses 45 and 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Searching all over for this great pearl of value. Done seen many pearls all over this, all over the land that he lives in. You know, been through many shops. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. But then one day he walks up into somebody else's shop and he sees the, the pearl of all pearls. The mother of pearl. <laughs> <laughs> and when he sees it, he inspects it. He takes this whatever little thing is that they do when they do this and like and sees that it's of immense value. It's the most valuable pearl he's ever had, he's ever seen, he's ever witnessed in his, in his entire life. He's, in, he's inspecting it, he's looking at it, he's holding it up, he's do, doing every little checks, he's making sure it's not a counterfeit, this ain't no fake pearl, this is the real thing, came out of an oyster's mouth. And when he realizes how valuable this thing is, he goes and sells everything that he has. He's ready to go broke so he can have this pearl of immense value. Now, what he plans to do on it, I don't know. Maybe he's going to sell it to go get some more money. Who knows? But he finds it so immensely valuable that he's willing to sell everything that he has in order to have possession of it. God is asking us today, how much do we value our relationship with him? How much value do we place on Jesus? Mm -hmm. Is Jesus truly the best thing that's ever happened to you? Or is he simply an add-on, an accessory to your life? Present company included. This is not a judgment call. This is us inspect, inspecting and examining our own hearts. Some of us, and y'all heard me say this before, our relationship with God is so shallow. And it's shallow because there are other gods that are around us that have our attention, that have our affection, that have our true allegiance. That some of us are worshiping God just so that he can bless us with stuff. Some of us are worshiping God because we don't want to, we want to feel like we're finally in the in crowd. Some of us are worshiping God because we want to, we want to escape our troubles, but we're not truly seeking him. We're not truly delighting in him. When the trials come and the tribulations come and the hard times come and he doesn't bless us right away with the things that we want, do we find ourselves saying, I don't understand why I'm worshiping God because things aren't going my way. Things aren't going the way that I thought they were going to go. I'm not getting the breakthrough that I thought I was supposed to get after worshiping God and praying for him and praying to him. The pastor said of, of all, all of, the, of in January, this is your season. This is your year. This is where great blessing can come. Let me ask you something. In 2019, did your breakthrough come? Come on. In 2020, the vision year, did your breakthrough come? I can tell you for a lot of people, COVID came. It wasn't, it wasn't the vision that they envisioned, but COVID showed up, showed up. 
2021, did your breakthrough happen then? 2022, did your breakthrough happen then? 2023, did your breakthrough happen then? Now, if it did, to God be the glory. But for a lot of us, the breakthrough that we think is going to happen <laughs> doesn't happen the way that we think it's yeah. going to happen. The spiritual breakthrough of joy, peace, love, contentment, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, those things happen in ample supply, and they can happen in season and out of season. But for many of us, we're expecting God to show up a specific way, and when he doesn't, he's showing us who we're really worshiping, whether we're worshiping him or we're worshiping something other than. And God is asking us today, who do you really love? What do you really value the most in your life? What has ultimate worth in your life? Is it your relate? Is one is is wanting to be in a relationship that important to you? Mm. Is wanting to be booed up with somebody that important to you? Having one more night of passion, is it that important to you? Is having money in this and being able to pay all the bills and, and have a whole bunch of money to splurge on, is it that important to you? Is having the titles and the roles and the responsibility and the power that important to you? Is having families that important to you? Is being able to produce children that important to you? Is having a house on the hills that important to you? Is driving a Maserati that important to you? Is being known for something that important to you? Is being an influencer that important to you? Is, you know, making a whole lot of money by, you know, showing your goodies and doing everything under the sun for people to spend $5.99 a month on a subscription for that important to you? Just got done watching this, um... I'm reading this um, article about this lady who, you know, they, they discovered that she was an OnlyFans, um, you know, worker and, you know, they, and she was a school teacher and she quit her job. She said it was the best decision she ever made because she's making millions of dollars now. But is making millions of dollars that important to you? Because, again, for a lot of people, we're trying to tag God's name on that. <clears throat> And then getting upset with him when he doesn't follow through on what we think what we think is my good. And God is simply exposing what are we truly seeking after? Is God so great that we're willing to risk everything for him? Abraham was given a promise. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a son. And your son and your descendants are going to outnumber the sand. Outnumber the stars. Outnumber whatever other thing you can think of. It's going to outnumber it. The hairs on your head. Years go by. Barren. Sarah ain't having no kid. Did, did all type of stuff. Ain't none of that. No reproduction happening here. So much so Sarah gets pissed off at God. I said it. 
pissed off at God and gets gets Hagar, says, Hagar, sleep with my husband, make a baby. And then gets mad at Hagar for getting pregnant. And Hagar kind of threw the child in the face a little bit, but she probably did so out of frustration because Sarah was treating her like a dog. Mm -hmm. And here go Abraham, well, you know, he told me to put it for the son, you know, it's Go read your Bibles. Why are we like this? Eventually, though, God delivers on the promise. Isaac is born. Isaac is conceived. Isaac is born. At a certain point in time, boy grows up a little bit. He's probably a teenager at this point. God says to Abraham, I need you to go sacrifice your son for me on an altar. You mean what now? Huh? You need me to what? Hmm? I need you to go sacrifice your son on the altar. Okay. Isaac, let's go. So Isaac, Abraham, and two of his boys are going up to go sacrifice Isaac. Isaac is like, um, I see we got the rope. I see we got the sword. I see we got the kindling. We can make a fire. What are we sacrificing? Abraham says, God will provide. That's all I got. They get up to the place. Abraham starts creating this, the altar. Now, again, I'm, so I'm assuming Isaac knows what an altar looks like because he was like, where's the lamb, right? Where, 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 what, what are we sacrificing up here? I don't see no lamb. We, we ain't trying to get one. We ain't bring one from home. What are we doing here? Abraham and his obedience. I don't know how Abraham in his old age was able to fight off a teenager. <laughs> but lo and behold, Abraham had some guns, apparently. Because he was fighting off his son and tied him up, bound him. And I'm, I'm not going to assume Isaac was just like, yes, father, tie me up. No, I was like, WTF? <laughs> what are you doing? I can imagine Marie probably looking at me like, Dad! I'm assuming it was more to combat, and but it was like get over here, tied him up, put him on the altar. Abraham, in his obedience, brought, 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 bring the hammer down. I mean, I'm talking about it's like one of the you know it's in one of the movie moments. Where it's like <coughs> the angel comes and stays his hand and says. God just wanted to know where your heart was. Do you really believe in me? Or were you believing for the son? Do you really love me? Or do you love what I give you? There's a ram in the bush. You can go get the ram and sacrifice the ram on the altar. Now, People will look at that on the outside looking in and saying, oh my God, I can't believe that God would make Abraham sacrifice his son. You're missing the point, which is why, what do we always say? Unless you have a relationship with God, you are not going to understand what we're talking about. <clears throat> it was, God, God's intent was not for Abraham to slay Isaac. God's intent was to see where Abraham's heart truly lay. Because for a lot of us, we're only believing in God for the stuff he gives us and not for God. Paul says,
says it, I believe, in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed in God so much so that he was willing to risk Isaac because he knew if God gave me Isaac, if he wants Isaac's sacrifice, then it means that another son is coming. And how prophetic that is, that another son came through the person of Jesus Christ. But Abraham wasn't thinking about Jesus at the time. He was just thinking about if he said we're going to have a son, it's going to number the stars and all that kind of stuff, then I'm guessing another son's coming. Hey, Sarah, get ready. You're again. At your old age. But at the end of the day, he was testing his heart. God was testing his heart to see where his heart truly lay. I'm saying all that to say to us today as I wrap. If God is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you, if God is the greatest treasure that you could ever possess, then you have to ask yourself the question, what are you willing to risk for the sake of the kingdom? What are you willing to risk for your relationship with him? For many of us, our tendency is to only worship God to a point. As long as it's comfortable, as long as it's convenient, we'll worship him. But these two parables teach us that sometimes we got to give up everything in order to have a relationship with God. That we have to be willing to risk everything that we have, everything that we own, everything that we are to deepen our relationship with the Lord. God can get any any and all of this. I don't want you to, Jesus. I'm telling you my heart's desire. I don't want you to. But if God so decides to take everything, much like he did with Job, I may curse the day I was born, but I'm not going to curse God. For naked I came into this world, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. That should be our heart's posture by virtue of the fact that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart, that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he gives us the heart of flesh and pours his spirit into us that causes us to walk in his precepts, causes us to walk in his ways, and we delight in him. We love him. We follow him. We treasure him. He is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> And in just those little bitty lines, God shows and reveals to us so much. And so again, I pose this challenge to us today. Examine your life and ask yourself the question, are there things that I'm holding on to that are hindering me from having a deeper relationship with the God that I say I love more than anything else. Is there any person, any job title, any possession, any code or creed that I'm following that is causing me to not deepen my relationship with the Lord? Is there a way for me to spend more time with Christ? Is there a way for me to deepen my, in my relationship with him? Is there a way for me to be content in him more so than I've ever been before? And if there is, God, show me. Mm -hmm. 
so that I can move those things out of the way to deepen my relationship with him. For I true, I want to be like these two men who gave up everything they had because they realized the surpassing worth. Okay, Jesus, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Mm. I'm going to read this and then I'm done. I promise I'm done. Mm. I promise I'm done. Yeah. Paul said it like this. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 4 through um, 16. I'm going to let Paul close this out. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteous under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word rubbish literally means doo-doo in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Mm -hmm. Brothers, I do not count that I've made it my own. For one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, Lord God, that you've given us this opportunity to examine our hearts on today. Lord, if there's anything in our hearts that we are deeply desiring more than you, we ask that you reveal that to us today. We ask that you show us, God, where we are putting you to the side so that we can chase after that thing instead. We ask that you just show us, reveal to us, enlighten us on where our hearts are posture truly lies and help us God to put you at the uppermost of our of our affections the uppermost of our attention the uppermost of our allegiance so that we can deepen our relationship with you you are our peace you are our joy you are our hope you are our love you are our faith you're the author and the finisher of it so we're asking and praying God that you show us in what areas of our lives that we're not being like you, not delighting in you, 
so that we can grow to love you, honor you, bless you, and delight in you. So much so that even when earth, heaven and earth pass away from all around us, we have joy, we have peace, we have hope, we have faith, and we have love because we delight ourselves in you. Everything is up is on the table. Everything is up for grabs, God. Whatever it is that has to be moved out of the way so we can be more like you, God, we ask that you move it so that we can grow in our delight in you, so that we can be like those who sold all they had so that they can have you. We thank your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, then credited us with his righteousness, that if we surrender everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we hope to be, we can delight ourselves in having you, in having heaven, in having hope in the future coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we honor you on today. We thank you. We love you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.